0: Welcome to the Get Realm Eyes podcast, where we dive deep into the history of Realm, an organization located in the East Kootenays of British Columbia in Canada, where we talk about everything that is going on behind the scenes from the various communities, the environments, the different groups that they're involved in, and truly showing the stories of the people and individuals that make up the amazing community that is Realm. Today, we have on the co-founder and co-managing executive of Realm, an avid reader and creative pioneer, Carrie Taylor-Johnson. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Glad to be here. Hopefully you're going to get Realm (laughs) eyes or Realm eyes some, some listeners.
0: So obviously Realm is at the core and at its root is really about just helping people and helping people be seen and by not by their labels, but by just who they are. What kind of got you into the field of really wanting to reach out and help others?
1: Hmm. Well, um, it's kind of uh, been this intrinsic thing that I've done for the majority of my life and not to take you on a, you know, I'm a little bit older, so I'm not going to do a generational uh, replay on everything. But what I can tell you is there's a couple of pivotal moments. Uh, When I was um, four years old, I went with my parents um to take my for this particular just just to back up the train here i've i've worked in different fields with people and i've really significantly landed in this field of helping adults with diverse abilities for the last 30 years of my life Um, before that i worked with people families and children uh, you know, I was worked in early education, I had worked in some residential programs. So I had done some various things, but I kind of for this significant part of my working career and my life, have been doing you know working with uh, adults with diverse abilities. So to get back to where I started, when I was four years old, I went with my parents um, to to deliver my uncle to a new living situation. So before we needed to move into, and, and this is in the 60s, you know, the late 60s. So early 70s, very early 70s. Um, What ha, what the setup had been is my uncle had been living uh, with us uh, for about a year off and on. And, um, you know, and so he lived with us and was part of the family and we did all kinds of things. And um, he was a year older than my mom. And anyway, so we had you know, that happening. And then all of a sudden, there became this day where we got in the vehicle and drove my uncle to his new living situation. And his new living situation was a institution for people with uh, diverse abilities, or at that time, people with retardation and slash mental health issues. So we got in the car. I thought we were going on this adventure and we, we drive to this city and, you know, this is, you know, I was looking forward to seeing where my uncle was going to live because I thought this will be really cool. He's going to have a house. He's going to, you know, anyway, so we, (laughs) we go in and, um, yeah, I, I quickly, I can remember it's very pivotal and I know people might challenge, but, you know, you have these pivotal moments in your life and I was there. In kind of the foyer, as my parents were trying to help my my uncle get his things together, and um, I just remember there were kids my age, there were girls my age, and I was this little little kid with long hair with ringlets in it because that's what my mom loved to do with my hair, and there were these girls that had super short hair, some maybe that didn't have much hair at all, and they're kind of gathering around me and they're there and I should have been frightened I should have been afraid I'm sure you know probably hindsight being what it is I was a bit un- unnerved but I also was trying to stand there and figure out what in the Hades was going on and anyway, so I just took this all in and of course, my uncle lived there. Um, he didn't live there for very long. My parents helped him move out of that situation within like three or four years later but, uh, In that moment, in that time, it was very impactive to me. And actually, I hadn't realized what a big impact it was until, you know, I fast forwarded about 20 years later and somebody was asking me about it. So that was one really pivotal moment. In that moment, I couldn't understand why my uncle's life was going to be so significantly different than my life. Or why the people in that situation were being expected to have a life that was different than my life. So that was one pivotal moment. And then um, when I was about five years old, uh, again I had sort of this, been this thing where I needed to do something. So I created this little charity that I went around uh, in the city of Sila, Washington, and I collected money to give to homeless animals the SBCA I walked all around this neighboring uh, orchard area where my grandmother lived and uh, I talked to people about it and I talked about how important it was to you know take care of animals and you know they surprisingly enough donated money to me which I gave and back to the adults in my life and we made sure it got to where it needed to go and I think probably The very last pivotal moment that really kind of stayed with me and probably helped guide my my longer range direction uh, was when I was in high school. Um, I was, you know, in the 12th grade and, uh, you know, I had a fairly large, you know, uh, academic study. I, I didn't really need any extra credits. I didn't need any extra anything. But I just started um, kind of picking up on the fact that there was, you know, some some folks in our school that uh, were the same age as me, um, that, you know, weren't always participating, were kind of off on the edge, segregated, right? Because, you know, I was in the 12th grade in the early 80s, so you know, segregation was still happening. I mean, there was some mainstreaming that was going on, but uh, anyway, they they developed a thing called the Peer to Peer Program. And I got really, really involved in that. And, um, you know, I had some really nice times. It, it didn't last, I, I was unfortunately not in it for a very long time. So, you know, I don't know that I had impact with people but it certainly impacted me. So. Those were kind of some of the pivotal moments that I think have pushed me towards this, this, um, this career, this experience, this life sharing with people. And I think the very last sort of memorable, um, time was when I was, you know, um, I became a mother I had three little children that were under three and it was time for me to go back to work. And, um, so my, one of my greatest mentors, uh, said to me, uh, you know, Carrie instead of, uh, cause I was really debating. I, I was, I was managing and, and helping run a preschool that I had some creation in. And I was also working as a, um, you know, support, family support worker uh, in the community. And back to my mentor, she, she was kind of going, you know, I was kind of contemplating, what do I do? How do I balance it all? And so she gives me a call and she says, Carrie, I have this perfect experience for you. I think it will be right up your alley. I think you'll be the person that could do it. So I was really looking for that guidance at that time. And mm-hmm. uh, what it turned out to be was I met this woman um, who became... An instrumental person in definitely directing my career um, at that point. Her her name was Charlene, and uh, I met her and started working with her every day um, for the next, you know, conceivable future. And then as life changed, when I met Charlene, she was in a really interesting situation where there wasn't a lot of opportunities or things open for her. So our biggest goal was to learn about each other, learn how to work together and learn how to change and help her find the life that she wanted. So she really, um, my experience with her and hopefully her experience with me was, you know, very person centered and very, Focused on how can we help this person, you know, live a life that they want to live. So that's kind of, you know, I, my studies, uh, have been always around people and, uh, you know, doing that. So I really thought at the beginning of my career, my, uh, what I needed to do was help people And that is what we do focus on. But it's the way that you help people. It's not doing it for them. It's doing it beside them and really helping empower them to find what it is that they want. It's about really expecting people to have the same set of expectations that you do and um, having expectations of of each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, pulling out quality experiences with each other. Yeah. That's how I got into it.
0: (laughs) Well, and, and being somebody that's been around it for so long, you've obviously seen a lot of growth and changes. Obviously you were mentioning, you know, the close connectivity due to family relations where um, an individual in your family was being taken to uh, an institution we've obviously as a society grown a lot and got a lot away from that. What have been some of the kind of like the biggest growths that you've seen outside of maybe just, you know, the, the understanding and you, you know, you led to segregation a little bit as well, but some of the biggest growths that have been there, but also some of the biggest wins um, for the people, like you said, you know, there is a significant difference due to, having, you know, conversation with person and and walking beside of them rather than holding their hand and pulling them along. So what are some of the huge growths that you've really seen during your, you know, 30 year or longer expansive connective to the community that you're in?
1: I think the number, well, there, it's interesting because I think with anything, there's an ebb and flow. So as much as we go 10 steps ahead, sometimes we are, you know, it's kind of like the tide at the beach, you go 10 steps ahead, and then the tide takes you back, you know, to step back to step seven. So I think, um, overall, I think the fact that people with advocates with their voices, people with their you know, individuals that are ad- identify as self advocates and their families—they um, are really the ones that started this um, whole civil movement. And and in British Columbia, we are so fortunate because you know we're nestled here in the heart of British Columbia, and um, they—you know—they were able to create a social service movement um, or a civil service uh, situation where you know, it was ground in passion and experience and, and really on the forefront of you need to hear what people need. You need to embrace what people are saying. And we need to always keep that as the moniker of, of how people are looking for service. And I mean, at the same time, um, they became part of the larger movement. I think Uh, One of the best movements out there is, um, you know, the whole idea of working in a person-centered fashion. So this idea of definitely meeting the person where they're at, hearing what it is that they're saying. I mean, of course, there are things that people need to strive towards, goals they need to have, adaptions that they may need to make based on um, the challenges that they face. I mean, we all have that in our lives. You know, I need to wear reading glasses a lot more than I ever thought I was going to. That's an adaption I have to have in my life. And um, so I, I think the biggest thing that I that's always been there, it's you know, it doesn't matter where we are in history. We've all had that need to. our best selves and present ourselves in the best way possible and sometimes we need to embrace those adaptions to continue to do that or so that's always been there i think the biggest thing is that it's coming more and more from the person's voice Uh, there there's more um and you can see it because it's moved into all kinds of things i mean there's the family-centered practice. There's, you know, the uh, in long-term care, they're moving it more into a person-centered patient care practice. So I really think that that's been the really significant change. And um, it came from, you know, groups working uh, together, you know, in a really organic style in lots of places you know, in North America and worldwide, all kind of saying the same thing. We need to be heard. We need to take the responsibility, but we also, you know, and, and I think the, the um, definite, the URN, the URPD, um, with the UN, the CRPD, pardon me, <laughs> um, the, the guarantee of human rights has been, has been huge. And, you know, having multi levels of, of people looking at it and ensuring that they exist and giving people the responsibility of acting and living with their rights has been, you know, acknowledging them and putting them into practice. I think it's been this fusion of, um, and, and it's a work in practice all the time, but I, mm-hmm. I would say the greatest change has been, you know, to actually sit with the person and sort of say, you know what is it that you would like your life to look like it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy and it doesn't mean it's you get I mean it's for all of us what do we want our life to look like we have to work at it so it's not we're gonna do it for you it's like how will we do this together? What and and in that whole you know that's where the educational and the adaption pieces come in about how will we make this happen together? How can you know, what do you see? And I, I think that is so important. Um, you know, it doesn't take, again, it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, people do have diverse needs and they have adaptions and learning and, and different things that they have to do. But it all has to trickle down to them. And that's the starting point. So mm-hmm. I would say the real em- embrace, the, the way that society and, and organizations, are really truly embracing the idea of being person-centered and uh, trying to live to that value has been a big changer.
0: Well, and obviously you can hear the passion and, you know, the, the authenticity behind when you're speaking about everything that you've gone through, whether it was when you were a little girl um, experiencing that, or when you were a little bit older, or obviously having the conversations with your mentor or just doing the recollection of the, you know, the, the history of the, or, you know, the community that you're involved in. What was the driving force that really kind of steered you towards starting Realm? Obviously, you know, like you said, you were involved in other organizations and helping people, but what really kind of made you want to partner up with uh, your other co-founder with Anna Yost and really kind of create Realm? Well, it was
1: kind of a, preservation and uh, um, persist or preservation I think is the best word to describe it in in the sense that um, we had been uh, co we had been uh, working together as colleagues in another organization and we had been working with a number of individuals that we still know and, and you know uh, support in different ways today. And what happened was um, the organization that we were involved in um, was more of a health-based organization. So when, back in, when this, we started in 2003, so there was a movement in our our province of British Columbia here to kind of separate health. Um, There was a lot of regionalization and different things happening in the health field. And so the contracts that we were working under We're just not going to be honored by that organization anymore. So um, when I say it's about preservation, it was kind of around. It wasn't just sort of self-preservation to have a job. I mean, of course, we have to be realistic that that was a piece of it. Mm -hmm. But it was more of the preservation of the work and the, the experiences that we were starting to have. Um, with the people that we were working with. We were so fortunate because we had a really great mentor that was allowing us to, you know, we were really listening to individuals and, you know, they wanted to have their individual service, but yet they wanted to find, you know, social groups that were in common and have conversation and share activities. And they were requesting that for us to put that together. Um, Mm -hmm. So we were fortunate enough to have a mentor, um, in in our mentor Margaret and a supervisor at the time, Deb, that were hearing what we were saying. It didn't really fit the bill of the organization that we worked for, but they colored outside the lines enough to allow us to to do it. So you know, for two or three years of our uh, career at the other organization, we were having these really positive experiences meaningful experiences that were directed by people and um you know we we were able to really cross into some really important discussions some informative learning you know and things that were being directed by folks so we had worked really hard at that and people didn't want that to go away and we couldn't guarantee anything i mean Mm -hmm. we couldn't guarantee where even where they were going to get their support um and at that time you know a lot of the individuals were looking at the supports that they might generically go to in the future and um they were saying well you know that's not necessarily what we're looking for we want something like this Mm -hmm. so it just kind of happened that um our manager dropped a hint about how the contracting piece would go. And, you know, Anna and I had been also, you know, attending conferences and following a lot of the movements that were happening. And we just thought, well, you know, do we give it a go? Like, I mean, people are asking us to put our name in the ring and see what happens. I mean, we had no idea. Like, we knew intrinsically we we could continue to do mm-hmm. that what we were doing. Um, We knew we had a great faith in ourselves and in each other that we can make something happen. Um, We had total faith in what the individuals were saying that they wanted to see happen. And we knew that if we listened deeply to what they were saying, we could probably come up with a concept, um, which, you know, we've been kind of doing anyway. So That's what happened. So in this subject of, you know, preservation, it was preservation of a concept that we, and an experience that we weren't ready to finish having. So
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we put together, you know, a qualification package and we passed and uh, then we were paneled and um, we were awarded, you know, the contract. So we got the contract basically on (laughs) Like, I think it was right around, you know, this time, it would have been like April 15, 2003. And we had to get running up and running by May the 1st, 2003. So Mm -hmm. it was just like that. It was synergy, you know, you know, it was just reflecting back on it. It's just things were lining up the way that they should have, you know, like in terms of, you know, positive thinking, faith belief, values, it, everything was just kind of just lining up the way that it needed. There wasn't. And, and so there you go. And so that's how it, that's how we moved into the idea of being realm. So it was conceptual. It was exciting. It was like we're continuing to work with these concepts that we knew people were telling us that they needed, but it was also preservation, (laughs) preservation in some ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and and obviously, you know, like you said, taking a, a giant leap of faith on yourselves and on each other, but also just understanding that you were coming from a place of doing it, not for just yourselves, you were doing it for helping others, I think is probably what has helped you guys continue to go for as long as you have. One of the things that I'm really curious about, and you might not have ever thought about this before, but being involved in the Boys and Girls Club in an earlier time uh, in your career, that is viewed, you know, in North America, the Boys and Girls Club is viewed as a safe space for anybody from diverse backgrounds from, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you leave your labels at the door did you kind of take some of what you learned at the Boys and Girls Club and try to infuse that along with what some of the individuals and the people you're talking to to ultimately create realm to where it is now?
1: Hmm. You know, that that's a, a really good question. Um, do you know, I, I think that maybe some, sub- Consciously, yes, not necessarily borrowing from their, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, value statements and their philosophy. But I would say conscious, consciously, from a conscious state of mind and consciously seeking, I would say that every situation that I've worked in every single working experience that I've had with any human being in in any human situation, I think that I've brought forward um, different practices, best practices from those places, because really um, to stay, you know, that's really where you have to live. You have to live in the land of best practice. So and you have to look at what are the best practices? Um, what are the the best learnings that you have had in those situations, in those experiences? to to bring to bring forward into your next experience so although you can't you know take everything with you you certainly can take those things that have landed and manifested with you as um you know and become intrinsic and I, Mm -hmm. i think so yeah i think uh to answer your question sort of in a i think indirectly yes i i think so you know um it's the same, um, you know, I, I had the, the honor to, to work in a, in a Aboriginal uh, indigenous situation. And, um, and there was a lot of life learning there and there was a lot of, you know, um, understanding about generational uh, situations with people and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, sort of how, you know, you, you know, you have these, these because I worked with really young children at that time, but how, you know, the elders and the young people and how to bring them together and that learning and how important, you know, that was. So so I think every, you know, and then just other situations, like I won't name all the different situations I've worked mm-hmm. in, but I think every single situation, you know, you can have a best practice even if it didn't even if it really was not the best situation or maybe you know you didn't it didn't meter out in the way that you wanted there was some sort of something that you took away that helped you learn and hone your skills for the next better practice Mm -hmm. and so yeah I, I would say yes
0: And I think, you know, like you said, is just taking best practices and really implementing that, of course, for any of us going through any object in life or, you know, as we're going through, we have to learn and kind of go through. What were some of the biggest hurdles that you have faced or gone up against since starting Realm? whether it was facilities or, uh, you know, it could be, uh, you know, different things that come up against regional zoning codes or, you know, any, any of those different things that do pop up just due to the type of work. Obviously it's a very unique thing. Right. So
1: I, yeah. So I think that, you know, to build off your last statement, uh, we, we have always been tried to be unique and try to be a little bit, out of the normal box right Mm -hmm. so um all of in that in itself in trying to you know still say stay unique and be present and be constantly working towards best practices and 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 setting your you know creating your path and and um that sometimes in itself just being who we are sometimes can be a barrier in the sense that it is well it isn't so much now but but when we first started um you know it was firstly it's like who are you and like just our name alone um was was a lot for people to kind of get over the name first and then um you know, so so I think with any new situation, right, there's a lot of who are you, why are you, you know, how did you get to be here? So there's all of those conversations mm-hmm. about that sort of building that identity of who you are and and you know and, and two, you know, um we work in a in a in an industry where you know people are are um in the best way possible, looking out for the people that they serve. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are you, you know, are you some sort of fly by night? Great. Are you a bunch of char- charlatans? <laughs> Like, What are you doing? Right. You know, who are you? Prove, prove who you are. And so I think, you know, a lot of what we were doing for a while there was, and it wasn't necessarily a barrier. I think it was, you know, you use that as, as the, gas in your tank right Mm -hmm. to to keep Mm -hmm. you going and, and because it matters and as long as it mattered to the people we were supporting it was needed to matter to us so that could and sometimes still can remain a barrier um the fact uh you know what else um well zoning sometimes could be a problem i mean you know we've worked with landlords over the years, and, and we've worked with some really awesome people. And, um, you know, sometimes zoning, there was one situation, definitely, where zoning was a huge problem, um, again, because it's like, you know, we're, we're sort of like this, but we're not 100% like this type of business. And mm-hmm. we're sort of like this, but we're not really that either. So where do you fit in that landscape? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, one of the things that's always been interesting too is um, everywhere we go, we usually outgrow for some reason. So if that's not necessarily a problem or, or a barrier. It can be a barrier sometimes because you know you have a, a higher demand for than the space that you have. I, I think a barrier sometimes for us has been. You know, um, it can be a barrier, but it can also be a gift, right? So it just depends on how you want to perceive it. But there tends to be with anything, with any group of people, with any professional group, there always is, you know, sort of the way things have been done or Mm -hmm. the general way things get done. So, when you're trying to meet those predictabilities because you understand them, but you're also trying to take the the learning and the knowledge that has come from those things, put it into mix it up into a new recipe, and you know, bake together something that people really want that sometimes can be a barrier because you can get a lot of, um, preconceived judgments and, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, thoughts about how you should be, you know, why you should be. Um, and, and so sometimes, you know, that it can, it, it, it's, it can be good because, you know, you have, it can make you really stay true to who you are, but sometimes you can get lost in the desert a little bit on it too, because, you know, sometimes you think, oh, okay, we've got to give a few inches here. And uh, we, you know, so sometimes we've, we've um, probably given up a bit of ground when maybe we shouldn't have, and it's kind of led us into a different path. Um, But, you know, I think, as long as you have a a open dialogue with not only the people you serve, but the people that are helping us on this journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, we really get back to listening. We can usually get it going, but that can be a barrier. Um, you know, uh, politics, um, can be a barrier sometimes. Bureaucracy definitely (sighs) can be a barrier. In everything
0: though. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it it's kind of the lay of the land. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when people just, you know, I, I think education, mm-hmm. uh, education and that continual conversation um, about this work and in, in in you know in the community, you know, in in all kinds of places is really important mm-hmm. because um, it's it's interesting the more. You know, it's kind of like the more things change, the more they're the same sometimes. And sometimes I find that some of these historical things that we work worked so hard to get away from kind of rear their head in new and interesting ways. But it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think um, that's that's been. um that's something that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, and that can be a barrier. If, if you leave it unchecked, the next thing you know, you could be going into a new path and you're going, uh-oh, you know, wait a minute, put the brake on here. Um, yeah, so I think being new or not, we're not new, but uh, being conceptual and and trying to stay true to your values and your vision it's it's um it's what you do, it's it's what gives you passion to do your work. But sometimes it is a barrier in itself because mm-hmm. you know it's um sometimes it's electric and sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, you know. And and yeah. yeah. So and and as far as other barriers, um I think you know most of us in this in this industry and of work um you know it all always it's it's that educating the community we're part of the civil service civil you know a civil movement mm-hmm. and um you know like any civil movement it's a rights conversation and it's about getting out there and and helping people embrace that so that it helps empower people. And and that's, that's an ongoing thing. I, I, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, and sometimes it is a barrier because you think why are, if you look and you go, this is 2021, why are we not?
0: But here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned, obviously, you know, sometimes the question around the name, so where did the re- or where did the, the name realm come from from your side? How, how did you guys kind of land on that? Obviously, you know it's a it's an acronym for what it actually means. So how did you guys land on that ultimately?
1: Yes. Well, so what happened was uh, of course, we had been uh, traveling around in different conferences and, and groups where we were getting inspired by people and And talking to people and, you know, around the province and luckily sometimes, you know, from a Canada wide or North America wide. And one of the big trends back in the late 90s, early 2000s was acronyms, right? So we had met this really interesting bunch of people um, from a group in Prince George. And uh, we, we just thought, wow, like that's a great acronym. So when so now fast forward to we're sitting in Anna's living room and we're working on this uh, this um, you know trying to get our response together or we pretty much had the response together so it was like what do we want our name to be so we were just sort of doing like a you know a brainstorm situation Mm -hmm. where we Mm -hmm. just throwing stuff out there and I had this castle sort of things stuck in my head anyway um, we had a glass of wine and we started playing around with different words and we came, we landed on realm and then we thought okay if we were going to make that into an acronym what would what would make sense right mm-hmm. so we went what are we trying to do what what is it what what is it that we're trying to make it move forward here and so that's how it happened. So we landed on Realm and then we just came up with the, the, the you know, watchwords of what we do, which is realize, empowerment, access, life to the maximum. And so you can imagine, um, <laughs> if you go back to barriers, um, when we first, uh, you know, we had some some competitors looking at what we were doing. And let me tell you, when they found out what our game was, they were having a really difficult time. Um, <sighs> they wanted to know, do I have to put the dots in? When I send you an email, do I have to put the dots in? You know, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> but that's essentially how we landed on it. We just sort of, um, we, you know, and, and it wasn't like the first thing that we did. It was kind of after we got all that You know, we got synergized together and we did all our brainstorming and we did all our work and we wrote all of the responses that we needed to our RFP. And um, then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we better have AIM. (laughs) So,
0: and so obviously with the name, right, you have, uh, you're going to raise some eyebrows and you guys, you kind of, alluded to it a little bit earlier. You have some very uniqueness ingrained in the culture of what Realm is and what it means to truly get Realmized. What are some of the most unique events that you guys have had in the community or taken part of? And and when I say unique, I think one thing that people that are listening need to understand is, as you've alluded to, and they'll hear throughout the, the remainder of the podcast episodes, is that Realm is really based around the individuals. It's based around what they would like to do. So sometimes something that we might not understand makes complete sense to them. And it's something that they really enjoy. So what are some of the, you know, unique and really kind of amazing events that you've seen pop up just from, as you said, people advocating for themselves and things that they want to do?
1: Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I suppose they've been, at times groundbreaking, but for us, it just made sense because mm-hmm. it's what people were interested in doing. Um, I think, so in 2001, I think it was, 2001, we were on a, Anne and I were still working for the other organization and uh, we had a group of, of women and there was like six of us in total, And uh, we went on a road trip to Whistler, BC, to go to a conference that was being hosted by, at that time, BCACL. And it was uh, another, you know, like when you have pivotal moments, you just do. And this was one of those situations that was a real pivotal moment for lots of reasons. Um, I won't list them all because there's quite a few. But one of the things that um, we did. You know, we were with a bunch of of fun, zany, serious women in that um, vehicle that had lived all kinds of life stories. I mean, some of them had been through mainstreaming, you know, they graduated in the 80s. Some were born in the 30s and had lived in institutions the majority of their life until they decided to put their foot down and become independent. And then you had some people that were somewhere in between. So there was a whole host of there was, you know, a woman in that in our group at that time that, you know, she had a a parent that vehemently, vehemently fought the system, um, you know, in the the 60s about Mm -hmm. what happened for her daughter. So there was all these, these fabulous women on this trip with us um to talk about all kinds of things about just being women so and um then we went to the conference of course and and we learned lots of things so um just yeah um so in that trip and in that that learning um we just just sort of realized that there were things that people exper- had talked about that they wanted to experience that they never had. Mm-hmm. Right. So imagine driving from where we live in the southeast pocket of the Rocky Mountains to Van to to Vancouver Island, <laughs> like to Vancouver, which is over on the coast in a province as immense as British Columbia. It takes twelve or thirteen hours, right? Mm-hmm. All the different mm-hmm. stops. So we had all of this time to listen to this creative energy. One of the things um, that came up for people was, you know, I would really love to be in a fashion show. But looking at who I am in the world and, uh, you know, I'd never get invited to a fashion show. I'd never be able to be a part of something like that. You know, so that was just something that just kind of landed, Mm landed with us. And um, so now that was like in 2002. So fast forward 2010. Mm -hmm. What did we host? A fashion show.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Fashion show of. um, So we have this this thing called Community uh, Community Living Mm -hmm. Month where it's a month in October, where the idea is to try to celebrate and educate um, the greater community around us, around living in the world of diversability and community living. So we had the right people at the right time with the right energy to decide yeah let's do this Mm -hmm. let's let's have a fashion show so some these the same group of women that we knew in 2002 we're now going to be part or 2001 pardon me we're now going to be part of this nine years later Mm -hmm. just so what the fashion show became was a showcase of fashion but what we did was we also paired it up with education so we did fashion over the last 100 years Mm -hmm. and um, what we did with that was we also talked about how community living had moved along in the last 100 years right and so every you know 10 year decade we talked about what it was like to be a person living you know in community living in that decade and then Mm -hmm. you know they did the fashion so that was really our first real um okay a fashion show's not new and unique we didn't think we weren't really sure what would happen um but what happened was it exploded we had 150 people in the room we had people I mean, we couldn't even finish the evening when people were saying, what are you going to do next? What's going to happen next? Um, so it was like, wow. So then that morphed into us doing sort of like a, a per, what we call the production, um, which is usually in, uh, an arts uh, play musical kind of thing that we do. We write it. Um, we put it together and it's usually based around concepts of community living. And we usually present it between the months of October, um, beginning of October in the first, maybe two weeks in November. So, so it's right in that month. It depends on when we can get. And so, again, with that, too, we've gone from, you know, 150 people in a, in a hotel ballroom to now moving it to a center stage in a, in a, um, community theater, um, Mm -hmm. seats 500. So, um, yeah. So (laughs) again, it kind of, and it's just this thing that not only do individuals want, but we're, we, you know, are starting to have this following Mm -hmm. of people in the community wanting it too. So, right. It's not a new concept. There's all kinds of people, you know, and all kinds of groups around that are doing things. But for us, you know, it got to be this way that we kind of put all of it into to synergy. And that's because, you know, it started with a group of women that said, I don't understand, I'll never be able to do this. And we just went, well, you know, it's a fashion show. Why couldn't we do it? Right. So uh, I guess another thing, um, and and it will be part of our podcasting here with our our Realm Rovers group. Um, so one of the things that in two thousand in and, and seven and six seven and eight we were uh, working the uh, BC Cancer Society would host the Relay for Life uh, festival event, and um, so we we put a team in every year, and we come up locally and participate and so I was walking with this one gentleman um around the track, and it was uh, it was 2008 and he said to me Carrie I think we need to take this on the road and I and we're walking around the track and I'm (laughs) thinking you know and and this this gentleman sometimes you have to work with him to get his ideas out and I said well I'm not quite sure. What do you mean by take it on the road? Mm -hmm. And it was, I think we need to like, take this on the road. I said, so do you mean? Yeah. The, the team. Yeah. Yeah. The relay for life team. We need to take it on the road. I said, Oh, okay. So what we if we could take it on the road, where would we go? Mm -hmm. He said, we'll go to Las Vegas. And I'm walking around the track thinking, how in in the world would this work? Mm-hmm. Um, so the more I thought about it, the more I thought about all of the things that would have to be done, all the learning. And, um, you know, and so, again, the right people at the right time with the right challenge. I just said, if we can do this, can we figure this out? And they did. And so in 2010, we went to Las Vegas, Nevada, a group of 42 people, and we participated in the Relay for Life um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, the exciting part was not only was it about going as a team and participating, not only was it about, you know, presenting, you know, Canada in, in a way. Um, It was also exciting because we just said we're a team of 42 people that would like to come to your city, would like to donate some money and would like to participate in your festival. So we didn't identify as anything. We just kind of came, did our thing and left. And it started this whole, um, became a movement within our realm community of, of something that we do. So it landed on all kinds of reasons to do it. It it started with a person who had lost a friend from testicular cancer. It became a very near and dear thing. It became a thing that our group of people could commit to because a lot of people had friends and family that have suffered or lived with or Mm -hmm. moved on from cancer. Um, So it gave a way to work to give back. Before we go on any trip, there's there's fundraising, there's skill building, there's planning, there's all kinds of things and budgeting that we do to make this happen. And um, more than that, the other thing is, you know, it, it's kind of like for a lot of these places that we've traveled to um, once they kind of get comfortable with we're here. People meet new people, they have new experiences. Absolutely. It helps people understand things in a different way. I I know that there's this this theory of, you know, should you be traveling with, you know, big groups of people that are identifiable? And, the you know, and we've heard that concept and and this isn't anything that anybody has to do. This is a total choice. Mm -hmm. People that choose to be part of the team it is a choice and it's a commitment that they make and so there's also you know we've had family members come we've had you know you know home share providers come we've had staff from other places come you know so we try to make it you know just be involved if you want to be involved and mm-hmm. the other thing is for the towns and cities that we visit um of course people want to go and explore so it becomes kind of like a Uh, an excursion so we leave we make we make sure we always have traveling day excursion time the relay some more a little bit more excursion time and then we travel home so Mm -hmm. you know it, it has a lot of impact in a lot of ways so it's a ripple effect right it's like you drop the pebble in and these ripples happen and um yeah so that that's one thing um that's kind of on a big event that we do. But I mean, there's lots of smaller things that we've done that are just based around something that somebody wants to learn, needs to learn, wants to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, we have a community picnic every two years. Um, And the community picnic, basically, we don't, we just go and we just offer people to come and be included. Um, Mm -hmm. Just just to have a day to celebrate being in the community. Um, and so that, that just kind of started with, um, you know, a couple of individuals going, well, I don't understand why we couldn't do this. And um, yeah, I, I, so for me, it, it, uh, I'm just trying to think of some stuff because for us, a lot of the stuff we do is pretty, you know, just pretty part of what we do. and mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know how, earth shattering <laughs> they are. I know they're important to the people, um, I, that bring them forward.
0: I think, yeah. I think something that you said there too, is really important is, you know, you might've had, um, some, let's call it feedback or, you know, pushback on some of the concepts with taking, people to different events or traveling and the one thing i think that is very highly respected about realm and i'm so um excited for people to learn more through the podcast with doing more deep dives into the history of realm with both yourself and anna but also just with the individuals is that you really like you said within the realm community there's this adaptation as it should be in any aspect of the world people are just people You know, why should one person be given an opportunity based on how they look or maybe how they function or how they communicate in the world in comparison? So obviously, you know, one of the, you talked about barriers earlier, has one of the biggest hurdles been early on really kind of getting people to understand that like you guys weren't basing it straight off of, as you alluded to in the beginning, holding people's hand and taking them to from point A to point B, it was helping them develop a roadmap to see their life. And really out of that, what are some of the things that you're most excited to see continue growing as you've kind of maybe planted seeds in various aspects of the realm community to really see it evolve and grow?
1: Well, I think, you know, um, one of the things that really uh, is really important to me. And like I say, you know, I I alluded one time to sort of talking about being lost in the desert a little bit sometimes, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: right when we started, when we started, when Anne and I started working on this, I mean, we were consulting with individuals Mm -hmm. around what do you think it should be? How, you know, how do you think it can, you know, give us your input and, um, and, and two, for, for many years, uh, there was an advocate uh, person that on, on all hiring committees, all, you know, and I mean, and it's not just a person sitting there. It's not the token person. They were mm-hmm. actually telling us, yes, no, this is what I think, um, you know, and not just in hiring practices, but in all kinds of things. Then I think, you know, we went into where we went into the desert a bit as we got, we, you know, we kind of got away from it a little bit. Um, not intending to, but just because of bureaucracy and pressures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that is exciting to me is um, we in the last few years have really embraced. Well, we've always you know, embraced person-centered, but um, as, as the world is the way it is and you have to move into metrics and you have to be recording things, we've really adopted the quality of life um, framework from Dr. Mm-hmm. Robert Shalak. And, um, and we use those eight domains of identifying quality of life um, in what we're doing. It's Mm -hmm. always kind of there as that sort of performance quality initiative piece. So we've embedded that in there. And I think what excites me about it is um, that it's making us again realize, um, not that we've ever really forgotten, but it's putting the emphasis for me back on to making sure that individuals that identify as advocates have a place in always in the moving forward of this organization. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from, you know, just, just from, from all of it, um, you know, uh, our first uh, handbook that we did was a focus group of, 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 um, Of people that I identify as advocates to help me put the the book together. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's just one big project. And, and like, that's the thing. I mean, we, we want to walk the walk and talk the talk. So on every aspect of what we're doing in this organization, we need to ensure that we encompass that Mm -hmm. presence. And it's just going to um, I think just different things that we're being involved in, in different kind of ways that we have to move a little bit, to, you know, to be responsive to things that are happening in in, in society and in our movement right now. It, it's just going to get better, and mm-hmm. um, so that that's that's uh, really important. And I think that's a growth piece for us that mm-hmm. I I am really happy that we that we're continuing to move towards. I'm, you know, I'm extremely excited as a group of advocates here that have been um, more of an organized group that have been working on things. They've just recently become involved in a grant project and at the end of it they'll be their own legal entity and that mm-hmm. is like so exciting and so um, so deserved and so timely. It's just, you know, and it's totally this manifestation of, of, you know, the work that you're trying to do with people. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think the continued growth of roles of, of advocates, you know, we're, we're, we have some peer mentoring going on and we're working on that. And, um, so I think that's a huge growth piece for us. Um, our, our, Another growth piece for us is, you know, um, exploring and expanding new kinds of um, ways of providing service to people. And, uh, you know, part of it has to do with, we're in 2021, so it is a pandemic year. So Mm -hmm. we've had to learn and adapt. And, And so I think a growth for us is bringing things that worked from experience and years and knowledge of what people want and blending it into sort of the new um the new things that people need and mm-hmm. uh, making sure that they they m- marry up and are consistent so you know and and as far as um you know the other real growth place for us is going to be in um you know in some of the ways that we support people around the employment piece. Employment is, um, you know, it, it's a whole thing of its own in so many ways. Um, we really want to work with employment. So it just is an extension of what people do. And mm-hmm. you don't have to give up this to have that. It just... You know, blends in your adult life, right? It's just like yeah. I have a job, and I have this, and this, and this, and this. So, um, you know, it's been something that we've been working on and work, well, not working on, but working with. And um, I think you know we've we've got some go forward ideas there, and so um, I think that's we're going to see some more growth in that area, and that's that's going to be a good thing. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, um, you know, one of the big things that you alluded to there is just supporting people being people, right? Allowing them to have opportunities that everybody else would have, whether it be gaining employment, feeling included, really kind of just being community minded, essentially. So if somebody's not able to physically be present in realm, say they're in America or currently with the, you know, the pandemic that we're all dealing with in the world. If somebody wants to maybe be more community minded or to maybe adapt the adage of being realmized, what are some steps or what are some things that they can do in their daily life to take on that and to just, you know, help other people feel more included, whatever, whatever aspect of life that is.
1: Well, I think one of the things is, is, you know, we all have labels, right? So, I mean, I have a label. I'm a co-managing executive director. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. Um, I'm a woman. Um, I have this sort of education and that sort of whatever. I wear glasses. I'm left-handed, you know i have all of these labels but when mm-hmm. i walk through the door i don't want you to see my labels first i want you to see me walking through the door and say hello and i'll say hello and i'll introduce myself as carrie and you introduce yourself as the other person and i think that is one of the first steps it's like okay i know if somebody's going to support me they're going to know that i'm going to need my glasses at a certain time They're going to know that if you're traveling with me, I'll need to stop a lot to use the restroom, Um, you know, that at night I could snore. So there's all kinds of things about being with me that you'll learn from being with me. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't take away from who I am or the experiences that we can have together. So I think um, to get realmized, it's really about that Getting to know each other for who you are. Yes, there'll be things that we'll have to do together. You might have to say, Hey Carrie, you know, we're sharing a room. Could you have a drink of water and then go back to sleep because the snoring's getting to me? Or hey Carrie, you know, here's here I I see you squinting, here's your glasses. Or Mm -hmm. did you remember your keys? You know, there might be things that you from having a shared experience with me will help me to help myself because that's the biggest thing. I don't need you to do it for me. I need you to allow me the dignity and the autonomy and the the respect to do it for myself in the best way that I can. If I, you know, we build that experience with each other. I can ask you, Hey, can you remind me? Hey, do you mind stopping? And then it just becomes this way that we are together. And then we can look at how to build some more quality experiences. So I think, you know, it's not that we don't need to know what people need, because we do. It's how Mm -hmm. we handle that information. And it's very important to handle the information. I always try to say to students or people that, All this stuff that you've learned, it's like a roller decks in your mind. You know, a roller decks are probably for a lot of people, what? Um, But, you know, it's kind of like all that uh, contact information you have on your phone. Imagine that that's in your mind. All of the things that you know, all the practices you learned in your discipline, it's all up there. And you're going to need it. But you need to pull it out and use it at the right time, in the right situation, as it presents itself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because it's important, but it's all in the timing. It's it's like knowing, um, it's like knowing your audience. I mean, one of the things, one of the, the great experiences that I had was uh, being with a cohort of people, and and uh, you know, we we did improv. You know, improv, and how does improv factor into the way that we work? Well, mm-hmm. improv. You know, a lot of what we do is improvisation in the moment because we're having real experiences. Right. Um, sometimes you have to have experiences where it's fixed and focused and staged because you're working on something. But find out what that is, when that is, and how you're going to deliver it so that a person is a part of it. And I think that's the biggest thing. Make sure people are a part of the experience and keep looking for those quality experiences together. and um you know having those experiences i mean and not every day can be a positive day and not every situation is going to be positive all the time but how do you to be realmized it's like how do you dig in with somebody and say okay what do we need to do here how do we need to move forward because this is your life this is your situation i'm here um to work with you recently the um Uh, open futures learning group had a a little video and it was so perfect for years I've been trying to figure out how to explain it to people and they called it being the roadie in someone's life and you know that just really hits the mark because it's Mm -hmm. you're there you're experiencing things but you're not the main show Mm -hmm. right you're there to support the show and So being realmized means, you know, if it seems absurd, it might be the best idea that that person ever came up with. You you don't know until you sit down and really look at it. You know, it's, um, you know, and you don't know, you know, just, and two, one of the things is if you are stuck and you think your journey might be coming to an end, it might just be the beginning if you ask the right questions. So it's asking questions and really listening, not just to the answers, but doing that deeper listening to what you think the person might be trying to tell you. Being realmized is taking a moment and putting yourself in that person's shoes for a few moments. You can never be that person. You can never walk in their shoes 100%, but take a moment to put yourself there to try to think if this was me, what do I think I would be telling you mm-hmm. and then ask the questions you could be way off the mark and and believe me people can tell you how many in many varieties of ways that you're off the mark <laughs> so listen to that it could right. be very colorful it could be very simple mm-hmm. but yeah I mean life is about questions it isn't about pre-made answers mm-hmm. we don't go into someone's life with the pre-made answers being realm eyes means be open, look for questions, look for experiences, look for sharing, look for um, expectations and reciprocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think one of the, kind of to wrap that up, one of the big things that you said there is to make sure that we're listening to understand, not listening to answer, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if a person is wanting to understand more about realm, Maybe they're wanting to get in contact and find out ways that they can be involved in some of the fundraising or just to learn a little bit more about the history. Where is the best place for them to reach out to either yourself or to Anna to be able to get in contact and maybe learn a little bit more about truly getting ingrained in the realm community, the realm culture?
1: Well, I think just for a general um, sort of, if you want to poke around a little bit just to, you could check out our, our website at realmbc.ca. You could check out our Facebook, um, which is Realm Cranbrook. Um, There is an Instagram and a Twitter as well. I don't know their handles, but they do exist. I'm sure if you go to one of the other places, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to reach out directly um, to myself or to Anna, um, you could find our contact information and uh, send us an email or if you'd like to phone, you can also get the number, um, from one of those places and give us a call. Mm -hmm. We'd be happy to, you know, talk to people or, you know, I like to talk. So it's usually (laughs) not, not too, too, too hard for me to, to have conversations Mm -hmm. with people. So yeah, it would be really great. I mean, um, You know, we have a YouTube channel where we have some information and different things that we've done over the years. So you might see some different things there. Um, Yeah, I just I think um, it's hard to sort of put it all into a nutshell about how to get realmized. Um, But it's sort of being it's a it's a process. Like, no, it's not a process. It's a choice. It's a choice. Choice, yeah. So and it's
0: been an eighteen year. It's been an eighteen year ever-expansing, you know, growth.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I hope that you would check some of those things out. I hope that if you did have questions, um, you know, that you would you would feel free and open to ask those questions, mm-hmm. to get in touch. Um, you know that that would be great, and um, just you know I hope that you can take a little bit of something and, and realmize yourself um, in ways that work for you.
0: And all of the contact information to get a hold of either yourself or Anna will be in the show notes. So the emails will be linked in the show notes. So anybody that doesn't know where the show notes are, whatever device you're listening on or whatever podcast hosting site you're listening on, if you scroll up underneath, there will be a description of what um, some of the things that we talked about, as well as the links to be able to get to the webpage and the Facebook, as well as some of the other social medias, as well as the emails to be able to reach out as well. So definitely I encourage that. And obviously as Carrie was saying, you can definitely do that and be able to reach out to her. Thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing. And obviously we'll continue down the road to get everybody realmized and um, to be able to share the, you know, the individual stories. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to continue to grow this with, uh, with Realm and um, to be able to really, bring out the the realmized and the the community mindedness around what truly makes realm unique and what it is
1: thank you